everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here in dining room studios with one of my favorite people and one of your favorite people, Greg Fitzsimmons. Welcome back. Isn't it funny? Thank you. Thank you very much. That's nice to hear. You are one of my favorites. Uh, I When we were together, my podcasts are talked about a lot on Twitter. I saw a lot Always of responses. Always a lot of feedback yeah. and responses. All positive. Never get anything. Nobody ever says uh, grab her pussy or anything bad. But here's what's weird. I just had this thought. As you introduce your show, there's the theme song, which yes. is your name over and over and over again. That's correct. And then you start the show and you say, hi, I'm Allison Rosen. Right. In case someone else might be hosting Allison Rosen as your new best friend. You never know. And do you ever think about like when you were a kid, say you're in like fifth grade and you would sign your name again and again on a notebook mm-hmm. and like you'd think about your name and now you're at a point in your life where your name is this brand that you're like putting out there that you want people to know that you need to be recognized and it's and I'm the same thing. I'm saying Greg Fitzsimmons all the time. Fitz Dog Radio. Right, right. And it's so fucking like selfish and yet it's what we have to do the, i hope that doesn't sound like i'm shitting on you i'm just no. talking about the concept of having to yes promote your name whether it's uh right. the joe rogan experience or the adam carolla it's always your name well and you're just hammering people with it's it. funny because there are times that people will refer to the podcast as your new best friend yeah i'm like no 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 right it's not your new best friend Parentheses with Allison Rosen. It's Allison Rosen. Yeah, it's funny that I feel like it's such an integral part of it. Yeah. I look at people who have podcasts that are not named after themselves, and I think, what balls they have. WTF. Yeah. Turns out to be like a really great... Well, we can't talk about that because <laughs> we the <did> last <laughs> time we talked about Mark Marin on the podcast, he came on my podcast and was the first thing he brought up. Yeah. And then when you came on my podcast, I brought it up. Yeah. So I guess that one's been uh been fixated with Mark Marin. Aren't all podcasters? In a way. Yeah. But okay, like Bullseye. Well, no, but it's Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. Right. But there are This American Life. Barracuda yeah. Radio. I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, the Nerdist. <laughs> right. Yeah, but he, but Hardwick is the Nerdist. Right. So that kind of is his name. Would we, okay, I know this is not where you're going with it. You were making a sort of bigger, deeper statement on the inherent sad branding and narcissism and commodification of Yeah, I don't think it's the narcissism as much as the codification. I think it's just about, you know, that if you were to think when you were 12 that you would be branding your name like going out to strangers right and saying i'm allison rosen yeah. remember me, me, me me yeah it's crazy it's it, so like existential right so i know you're making a larger existential point i'm gonna make a smaller pathetic point would we be getting further if we weren't pushing our name down people's throats and if we had like some kind of other name for our podcasts because okay I, it depends on your name uh 
You have a good. You're a, Allison Rosen has I a bam 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 bam. Mine is. It sucks. I don't think of my name as bam 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 like you do, but I do like. I mean, you it, you make it sing. Um, I you sing it at the beginning of your show. Well, it, it's lyrical. Um, it's melodic. <laughs> I must admit. <laughs> I wanted to get rid of my last name. I was like, I want to ditch this albatross. But then when I got married, I realized, well, I already got a theme song. I've got two. There's too much work I've done. I can't let go of it. What would your name be? Quants. Q-U-A-N-T-Z? Yes. I think it's a cool name. But according to um, the man with the name, if you have a Q name as a kid, you get called Queen and Queef. Right. Remember, I told you the the child to be, the son that's in my in me right now. Um, I wanted to name him Quinn, but everyone vetoed Quinn Quants. You can't do that to a human, apparently. Why would you even think that for a moment? I like the name Quinn. Yeah, but didn't you immediately say Quinn Quants? I, I can't let go of it easily. I mean, I've let go of it. I know that this is not happening. Yeah. I just think I just like the name Quinn, and I feel like, well, who cares? But I realize that's not an okay way to be. His the child will not be named Quinn Quants or Quentin Quants or any qua qua. There will be no qua quas. I have a friend named Tom Cotter. Do you know Tom Cotter? He's a I, comedian. I do not. Very very good comedian, good friend of mine, and he. Uh, but he's from Boston, and he's a little corny, mm-hmm. and he had twins. Now remember, from Boss, or actually from Rhode Island, so the thick accent, named his kids Cam and Harry. So Cam Cotta. Like Camcorder. Oh, God. Which not only <laughs> is cruel and hokey, nobody fucking has a camcorder anymore. Yeah. Like nobody even knows what that means. You have to have been in the 80s recording things and know what a camcorder is. And the other one is like Harry like Potter. Harry oh God, Cotter. that's terrible. Are his kids angry? I think they're probably old enough now where I can call them and find out. Cute Please kids. Do. Cute kids. My dad, um, I think there was a professor at his college whose last name was Van Houten, and he named his kid Newton. And his kid hated him like forever because of this. Yeah. So there were uh these kids, Brian Kylie did a joke about um Frank. The last name, and this is a real last name, Frank and Ernie is a last name. It's a lot of name. Named his twin boys, Frank and Ernie. Frank and Ernie. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's true, but it was either Ky- it was either Brian Kylie or Frank Santarelli that uh, talked about it on stage and broke it down. Broke it down what their lives were going to be like. That's terrible, but also amusing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm against the idea of naming your kids accessory type names like i was um talking to this woman who already has her names for her son and daughter picked out rome and london i thought oh don't do that i think that's a little bit 2009 you know when it was paris hilton and it was there was a girl on there's a tv show my kids watch oh on Grey's anatomy there's an arizona arizona and, and there's a kids show or a teen kids show where they uh where they're on a boat something cruise boat booze booze cruise no. no, no, I'm thinking of Blue's Clues. But it's about a bunch of like <laughs> 14 year olds, and 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 the girl's name is London, and she's okay, and she's like a Paris Hilton. They're mocking her. So I think I think that window, thank thankfully, was very narrow. Right of that name. 
Well, so to go back to um, marketing of our podcast, just for one second, because this is I, now I feel I worry we're no longer talking to the audience and we're just talking to each other or mm. I'm talking to you. But I was thinking about bars the other night yeah. and I was thinking about how the cool bars are the ones where you can't really find the bar and there's not really a big sign and yet all the cool people, by the way, I, I do, I don't go anywhere involving all this coolness anymore. But at one point I, you know, worked for magazines and kind of knew where the cool spots were, um, a long time ago, but there's, you know, like a line you see like a line of people and it's like, what are they even in line for? And you don't even know because it's all so underground and hush hush. Oh, and La Cienega of, is like that late at night. I don't even know. Is that a street? You're kidding, right? La there's, Cienega. I know there's a street La Cienega. Is yeah, no, I'm saying on, on La Cienega, oh, oh, okay. like, like around the Melrose area, yes. there's a lot of people standing online for what looks like a closed shoe okay. store. Yes. I, I thought there was some kind of bar called La Cienega that no. I was not aware of. No, yes. None of right. these have names. So, yes, exactly. So, somehow you have to be on the inside to know. And I was thinking, I bet there's like a podcast version of that or there, you know, the iconography and just all the sort of marketing around the podcast could be like, this is a cool thing that you have to be in the know to find versus me, which is like, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Here I am. I'm coming. I will find you. Right. I'm the opposite of it. I'm yeah. like a McDonald's with a giant sign. Like, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Right. I will accommodate everything right. for you. I will be your friend. Your missing friend. I will I will replace the empty hole in your life. Exactly. Is Am I too needy? <laughs> it's a big question. I mean, you've got a lot of uh, comedians that have either an attraction or or an aggression right. to them. You know, you look at somebody like Zach Galifianakis, who, you know, from the beginning never sought fame, always did his own quirky, weird thing, was the first guy to have a big beard. Mm-hmm. He really was. And he did everything was a fuck you. His first stand-up special was in a 50-person bar in San Francisco where the camera followed him around and he just, like, talked randomly. I mean, he's and, and yet he's become... A twenty million dollar a picture star, right? Do what to do that? Do you just have to have a lot of faith? I don't have. And faith he never that changed anyone's... Galifianakis to another name. Yeah. Do you know how many people probably told him you're crazy? Right. A lot. And then you've got people that come straight at you, marketing themselves. Like who's one of them? Because I bet I don't like them. I bet um, I think they're cheesy. Well, you're afraid to say. I don't want to like call anybody out for being overly well i mean let's just say dane cook i knew you were gonna say dane and i'm and i am a dane cook fan i like dane cook as a person i i think his act is good i think he's a great performer right but but he's a guy who got on twitter or got on myspace and and has you know used social media to put himself out there and you know it will will say it himself he'll say you know i come home after shows and i get online and i respond to people and I connect to people and he was the guy that we started in Boston together and we'd go to an open mic night where there would be I'm not kidding you 15 comedians each doing five minutes and there'd be maybe 30 40 people in the crowd it was like a Monday night mm-hmm. at Nick's comedy stop in the combat zone and you do your spot and then you go maybe do another spot Dane if Dane was on second he would be there at the end of the show and he would shake hands with every single person that left the show. 
And that's been his M.O., and it got him very far. Right. It's interesting that he's... But but there's something cheesy about his branding, I suppose, mm. for lack of a better word. Yeah. And maybe it is that thing of, like, he'll come out to you. But then you've also got, like, Louis, mm-hmm. who is a Zach type, but... If you really look through the lines a little bit, you know, the guy's got the publicist and he does all the big shows and he he has, I think, balanced the appearance of not giving a shit with somebody who works really hard and actually, um, you know, would like very much to reach as many people as possible. Right. Whereas I don't think Zach really gives a shit. Like, I, I doubt yeah. Zach has a publicist. Do we give too much of a shit? Do you give a shit? How much of a shit do you give? See, I'm passive aggressive about it. Oh, like how? I, I pretend I don't give a shit, but I do. And and I think I got to either give a shit or not. I got to I gotta go one way or the other. Which way is it going to be? You got me. And I think that I am just too transparent about giving a shit, probably. No, I think it works for you because you come from broadcasting, which is a straightforward medium. That's true. Thank you. Yeah, so I don't I don't I don't think you should suddenly get mysterious. <laughs> I know that's like maybe I'll just change the name to like are you, are you Allison Rosen's new best friend? Mm. <laughs> Aren't you so much more intrigued right away? Yeah. Aren't you like what is that about? Is there something sexy about that or like just am, oh, am I Allison Rosen? Question mark. Yeah, that am I Allison? That no, no that just question mark. <laughs> right, you launch a podcast words. if you really want to do it. Could be called launch Qua. a podcast with just a question mark. Yeah, and use a voice filter so nobody knows it's you, <laughs> and start from scratch. Yes, and see if you can develop a following, and then tell like like Elena Ferrante, you know the writer. Yes, the one whose identity was just exposed. And she and- said, if they ever expose my identity, I'll never write again. Yeah, she is perhaps the best writer to come along in the last twenty years. She's incredible. Have you read her? Books? Read all her books? Really? And uh, she's not going to write anymore because she was outed by a journalist. She People doesn't want the fame. Were were very upset about the outing of her. So she, I haven't read any of her books, but her books are the Neapolitan series. Yes. Is that right? Um, the first one is called My Brilliant Best Friend or My, Br- My Brilliant Friend. I've been meaning to read them. They're translated from Italian and she is supposed to, what I've heard is like she captures female friendship better than anyone. And also Greg Fitzsimmons likes her books apparently. Well, she gets into the dynamics of a friendship in terms of the jealousy as close as you're, you might be your best friend and you're still jealous of them. And at the same time, you want them to like you more. You always feel like they mean more to you than you do to them. You, um, at times hope for their demise there's times where you more times that you pull for them with all your heart. Like it's extremely complicated and layered, mm-hmm. but it goes on from a friendship from the age of six all the way through death. And it marks the different stages of life and how the relationship evolves. And I mean, the fact that she lays out this relationship over four books that are like 450 page books, it's astounding. You and gotta read them. Yeah, I mean, and the, the just the her style is just incredible. See, I guess so. She 
did not want people to know who she is. And someone, I don't know, did, did he dig into tax records? Or I think it was in the New York Times, right, that he revealed. Yeah, I think what he did is he went to the publishing house that she works for, and they looked at the payouts to the writers. Somehow they got a hold of how much each one was getting paid. And they were like, well, it's obvious. this one's obviously Alana Ferrante. She's right. you know, one of the biggest, probably the biggest writer in Italy. And then a whole bunch of people wrote articles in response to the article that outed her saying that that was like defending her and being and being upset that they had done this um and i guess i have never and this just goes back to what we're saying i'm just more dane cook than i am zach um <laughs> i've never really understood the jd salinger thomas pynchon elena bob Fro- dylan yeah that reclusive thing I mean, bob dylan hasn't responded to the to the uh, Nobel Prize for Literature. Right. I'd be like, did I get it? Did I get it? Did yeah, I get it? Did right, I get it? Did right. I get it? Did I get it? It's me. Did I get it? Did I? Um, yeah. I just, I, I've got no chill. I'm too you thirsty. You got some chill. I won, <laughs> I won four daytime Emmys, not bragging. Didn't go to any of the ceremonies. Why? Because they didn't really mean anything to me. I feel like, yeah, it's daytime. If you won a nighttime Emmy, would you go? Fuck yeah. Okay. But I have my Emmys on my uh, my mantle. Right. So they do mean something. And people walk by my house, they can see them. I like that because it doesn't say daytime on it. It's the right. same Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> what what shows did you win them for? L- the Ellen DeGeneres show. There you go. So Greg Fitzsimmons. Yeah. What's new? What's going on with you? Well, I just pitched a show today to a production company and they want to be in business with... Uh, Grapefruit Simmons. <laughs> That's so awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, so we're going to do... These Was this the first pitch on this? First and, pitch. And, wow, look at you. You're, I knew it, though. Yeah. I knew it. It's a show that I've been thinking about for a while, mm-hmm. and um, I guess I shouldn't talk about what the show is, but we can soon. But if you want a hint, listen to my recent podcast, The Sunday Papers. It's not far from that. That's very, very exciting. And you'll be involved, young lady. I'm very excited by yes. that. Yeah. Thank you. Get you in there. We got to get a little bit of uh, truth, a little bit of groundedness, a little bit of self-promotion. <laughs> right. I just know that if you're involved with it, you're going to fucking stand on the street corner with a sandwich board promoting a, a tw- it. I'll twirl something. Yeah, you'll twirl I'll it. I'll twirl something. Um, yeah. So this is the time of the podcast where I once again tell you... Now, I guess you're going to be busy with your new potential venture. Right. But we should have a podcast together. Everyone agrees. Yeah. I'm just bringing it up again. Just gently lobbing that ball into your court. I mean... Here's what I propose. Yeah. (laughs) 50-50. In every way. Uh Um, And it could be once a week. It could be once... It could be every other week. And occasional live shows. We'll be printing money. What's the title? Question mark. Greg, <laughs> I don't know. Greg Fitzsimmons is Allison Rosen's new best friend. How about Greg and Allie? <laughs> it's like Greg Kate and, and Allie. Allie. Um, we don't have to. I mean, or it could be. Um, um, that's. I, I don't have a title yet. We, it's got to be something really weird in, in light of our branding thing. Right. It should be we something that has nothing to do with us. Yeah. I think we got to go. Um, if we do this, which seems like a great idea. It seems like a good idea. Um, 
Yes, I can. Yeah, I I know that in spirit you're on board. Yeah, but it's in the flesh you might not be. You know, it's complicated. I know it's a bit. There's there's time commitments and whatnot. Well, and other things. I mean. I can talk to you off the air about it. Oh, right. Yeah, there is another thing. There's another thing. I feel like that thing is not a thing, but I get that you are worried that's a thing. Not worried. Just, you know, aware. Aware of it. But anyway, I think that uh, I think that you're the best, and I don't have better chemistry with anybody. So let's let's figure out something. I would love to. Yes. I would love to figure out something. In the meantime... Um, we can just continue to do each other's podcasts, yes, though. Yes, yes. Let's definitely do Let's that. Let's have you back on mine in a, in a week or two. I would love to do that. What? Uh, when's this baby born? February 4th. February 4th. It's coming up. Yeah. Jesus. I hope it lands on Valentine's Day. Wouldn't that be cool? Would you call the kid Valentino? Valentino. I feel like that might... Val. That, Val. Ooh, Val's kind of cool. Yeah, or Tino. I like Val better. Yeah. Tino... Tino's is very like a, Italian. Giant drug dealer. Why do I think that? <laughs> I'm getting a breaking. Breaking Bad. Was there a? Oh, who I am think, I thinking of? I Not think, Tino, but there was a Tuco. Yes, that's what oh. I'm thinking of. But Val. I don't. I don't Val. mind Val. That's kind of cool. I know. I've always loved Val Kilmer. Right. Valentino. Um, Hold Val. on to that shit. Squeeze. Squeeze until the 14th. I don't think they'll let me go till till the 14th because I asked my doctor what her policy is on inducing. Because a lot of women will tell you, don't let them induce you. Yeah. Because it makes the contractions stronger. My doctor said con- their contractions are strong regardless. But there's some study that with women over 40, the rate, um, the chance of stillborn goes up quite a bit. Like if you go past a week past your due date or something like that. So I don't know I don't if know. that's my true wife, or not. My wife was 36. Eight with my daughter, thirty nine, uh-huh. and she went ten days past because she was trying to have it vaginally, and the and she just wasn't coming out. And mm. she she'd had a C section with my son, and she didn't want to do another C section. She really felt strongly about having it out of her pussy, <laughs> and uh, and they waited and they let her wait, and then eventually they cut it out, cut her out. Was your wife bummed? She was crying on the way to the because it's not what hospital. she wanted. It's not what she wanted, and I, and I didn't really get it, but I respected it. You know, I tried to help her through it, but you know, she really there was this biological desire to have the natural flow of the baby coming out. Right. I'm glad because nice, tight as a butthole. Mm. <laughs> I I go between I go between them, you know. Is that for like when you can't make up your mind? I just I throw it on this taint and I see which way it falls. And your wife's okay with that? Because no, I'm kidding. Uh, okay. Kidding. God. Well, I mean, I feel like a a really confident woman would be okay with that versus me being like wrong hole, wrong hole, wrong hole. Oh, uh, are you a wrong hole? It honestly only happened to me once in my life. With your husband? No, no, no. This was with someone. Your husband has never tried to enter he you? never, from, uh-uh. It, uh, n- did not, you tell him not to bother, or he just never tried? I think he knows that a discussion would be required ahead uh, of time. <laughs> <laughs> Anal? <laughs> a discussion. That doesn't sound like something that goes on right before you 
have anal sex. Anal? Well, a discussion. You, know you don't think a discussion happens? I think you like it. I think there's I think <laughs> I think I'm there's, there's we have that. There's coaxing. There's maybe even pleading. There's uh there's warnings. Right. You can't just surprise someone with your penis in her butt. Well, so that ha- so years ago that happened. I was surprised with something near there, and I don't know if he was just hoping that I'd be down with it, or if he really w- it was dark and he just didn't know what was going on. But that I did, I did say wrong hole, wrong hole, wrong hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying I feel like there's probably some there's probably a woman out there who would be like, eh, let's just see what way the wind blows. I think blows is the key word. I think it's got to be, there has to be a lot of moisture involved. There has to be a lot of, it has to be passionate. You know when you're having passionate sex Mm -hmm. and it starts when you're like a teenager and you're getting a second base with a girl and she gets worked up and all of a sudden your knee is between her legs and she's pushing against it. And you go, wow, I guess this is happening. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of Donald Trump. You know, instead <laughs> right. of pushing, she's pushing against you. Yeah, and her you pussy is grabbing you. She, her pussy is opening up like a chasm. And, and, and then you go and you do that. And then if that goes well, then, you know, and, and you, cause you start to want more. Your body just desires like right. a bigger, uh, stimulus. And, and, they, and then it goes into fucking and then, you know, different kinds of fucking. And then all of a sudden it's like, what, what, what else? It's like you're, you're looking for shit to throw on the fire after mm-hmm. a while. And you just, you, you touch the butthole with your finger. And if she pushes back, then you're like, holy shit. I didn't think, I didn't even want to put my finger in her dirty asshole. I just wanted to see if right, she would. Right. And she does. <laughs> and then all of a sudden your finger's in her ass and you're like, well, what, what else can we throw on the fire? And then yeah. you just, you know, and then all of a sudden you're having anal sex, just like that. But it has to be coming from both ends. Excuse the pun, <laughs> right? It can't be he's got an agenda to put his penis in your ass. Mm-hmm. It's got to be there's a spontaneous moment where you both are. It's like that song, "Light My Fire." Sure, you know that it would be untrue, right? You know that, that I would be a liar. liar if I were to say to you, "Girl, we couldn't get much higher." Right, and he's probably talking about butt he's sex. Talking about butt sex. So I take it you've had some butt sex. Yes. How is it? Because I I sit here before you, Greg Fitzsimmons, and I will tell you, never ever had it. Never had anal sex. Have you got hemorrhoids now with the baby? I assume I must, but I haven't noticed it if I do. Well, then I would say... Get it out of the way before the baby comes, because once the baby comes... That is absolutely not happening, but go ahead. (laughs) Hard pass on that, because there's already... already Well, you know what? There's already foreign bodies in my body. Right. May as well... Invasion, full invasion. Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe you're right. It's it's amazing, because it's it's a... There's a trust that goes on when a woman allows that there's a there's a feeling of this is a really vulnerable part of me. This is wrong. It's a felony in most states. Literally. Mm-hmm. You could be arrested. Keep going. You could be hurt. Yes, that part I'm aware of. And you allow the guy to do that and he he if he's a man, if he's a gentleman, he takes in the gravity of the situation and he thrusts accordingly, gently. So it's really a dance. It's a mating. It's it's the opposite of a mating dance because you can't get pregnant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's 
it's interesting because whenever I hear people talking about it, it's always the things other than the actual physical act that are the turn on about it. Mm. It's never like, oh my God, her butt feels so good. I've never ever heard that. It's always, it's a turn on because it's dirty or because it's usually because it's like dirty or a taboo or forbidden. But yeah, what you're saying, the vulnerability and the trust and all Mm. of that. Yeah. And it's also, it's tight. That feels pretty good. A lot of guys don't last very long in the, uh, in the back. Which I feel like is probably welcome, right? For the, the woman? woman? Yeah. No, I think some women get very turned on by it. It just sounds I painful. mean, put it this way. I hosted the Porn Awards. Mm-hmm. One of the awards, and I'm not making this up, is Best Double Anal. Does that mean two in your butt at once? Yes. How is that not damaging? Well, it's like you ever see the guy who works at Starbucks that has the big chunk of wood in his earlobe, the tribal circular Are you suggesting they work up to it with different gauge penises? You know, it's like anything that's worth something in life. You you go in stages. You don't become a black belt on the first week. You know, you get in there, you stretch, you kick. I mean, I guess that's not that... Spread your legs. I honestly... I went from like, mm, maybe I, oh, hell no. I that think was you're, what happened. because you're a control freak. I guess. And I think anal sex is abandon. I think it would I be I like the idea you. of abandon. I mean, honestly, like that's one of my favorite fantasies is wild, <laughs> f- fantasies that is never actually enacted is like the idea of wild abandon. Yeah. But wait, now how do you know I'm a control freak? Because we haven't talked, is it just obvious? No, we've talked about it. We have? It. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which, but I think you're an, I think you're a self-actualized control freak. Oh, well, thank you. For instance, I was an hour late today, mm-hmm. and you handled it with such class, and I want to thank you for that. Thank you. I, and it was, it was really, I really felt horrible because you actually had another podcast. You emailed me a couple days ago to see if I could switch, and I said I couldn't because tomorrow I have two podcasts already, and, uh... And you could have had your guest, probably, and me. So, but but you were you were very grace gracious about it, and I appreciate it. And the worst thing is, I was in this neighborhood. That that is the worst part for you. <laughs> That's the worst part for you. And I and so I drove home. Driving. It took me fifty two minutes to drive home. Oh my god! And I and I'm sick, so I got into bed, and then I get a text from you. How much longer are you going to be? And I was like, fuck. And more, more fuck that you that I had let you down, and uh, you said just come over, and uh, you know, thank God you still had time to do it. it. All, but, it but, all but, worked out. But must have been hard as a control freak for you. Um, it's funny; those kind of things aren't the things that set me off. Um, but before you got here, Jeff and I were talking about. So I'm not a person who has anxiety often. Mm. If I'm going to have a a thing, I think that I tend towards depression, probably. Yeah. But the last few days, I have felt very anxious and nervous and like I can't calm down. And I thought that maybe it was just that I had done too much yesterday because I don't have as much energy being pregnant. And I used to drink a ton of coffee and that would fuel power me through like a bunch of things in a day. But I can't do that being pregnant. So Oh, you don't drink coffee now? I have gotten I've gone back to having a cup in the morning, but I used to drink 
like if I were tired in the evening before doing a podcast in the old days, I would drink coffee mm. and that would kind of push me through. So I had more than one podcast yesterday. And anyway, I just felt like I felt very stressed out and ragged by the end of the day yesterday. And I thought, well, I've just done too much in a day. Um, I'll go to sleep and I'll wake up and everything will feel okay again. And instead I did not sleep well. And I woke up and I'm like, this crazy anxiety is continuing. Um, and so Jeff and I were talking about that and just talking about how multitasking is like the worst thing for anxiety. And I think that a lot of it is, I mean, I think there's a lot of things happening, but some of it is just, there's a lot of things I'm trying to schedule right now. And that involves not like I'm waiting to hear from people and I'm waiting like, well, you know, if this person can do this and that moves to here and this moves to here. And like all of that is a I'm not in control of any of that. And that that's the kind of thing that's like setting me off. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Multitasking is very difficult when you're when you're anxious, you know, and, and um, a lot of times depression and anxiety are intertwined. Right. So if you're depressed, then um, the anxiety is, is usually the symptom of it. Maybe that is what it is. It's just manifesting as this like nervous, nervous, can't calm down what's going on yeah. thing. Do you get anxiety? I get anxiety, I think more so in the last year or two, I've felt more anxiety. So I, I learned TM. And if I do it, it really neutralizes it a lot. And it just, you know, it, it, and the best part is it's immediate. There's some things you got to do where there's a cumulative effect mm -hmm. that makes you feel better. Like working out sucks. It hurts. It takes time. It's just, it's unpleasant. And, but the overall effect over time is that you feel great. Right. Meditation, it feels great to do it. I mean, some people have a really racy mind, so it's hard for them, but That'd it doesn't matter how racy your mind is, you can meditate. And then once you get good at it, the experience of meditating is euphoric. And when you get out of it, it's like you just took a giant nap that you're not groggy from. You're just like, like, all right, what are we doing now? So do you do it every day? I haven't done it lately. The first year and a half, I did it every single day. And then um, now I go in and out. Right? I'll do it for you know a week or two every day, and then sometimes I won't do it for a week. You're the second person who mentioned this recently. And so you did like the actual transcendental meditation yes. thing where you meet with the guy and he gives you a word and you yeah, pay a lot of money. <laughs> it is a lot of money. They give you a mantra and you go to the T – I went to the TM in Beverly Hills just because it was of course, the closest yeah, one to me. Sure. Which was a riot because I had a guy – it was a group. It was me and Dave Kackner. We decided to do it together. And there was a guy in our little class. There was only one other guy. And uh, let's let's call him John. And he comes in. And John is like pulls up in a brand new Land Cruiser. And he's got the tussled up hair. And he's, you know, he's like a young Hollywood party guy. Mm -hmm. And he's like cutting her off. He's asking the dumbest question. Me and Dave are dying. This guy <laughs> is such not a candidate for... You know, his dad is obviously paying for this because he he keeps getting in trouble for right. drunk driving or whatever. And uh, and at one point he comes in and he goes, now, does this work with cocaine? Like, if you do cocaine, <laughs> can this still work? <laughs> what was the answer? She said, you may want to come back when you're not doing any drugs like that. Oh, that's amazing. But try it. It's, uh, you know, and there's many types of meditations. I mean, you can... Literally, there's a there's a book that Russell Simmons wrote that's very accessible. And you know, any the mantra they make a big deal out of it at TM that we each have our own mantra. 
if you use ohm, mm-hmm. that'll work. That's fine. And I think Russell Simmons says that in his book. Just everybody use ohm right. because it should be something that even though you're not physically saying it, it resonates. You're, you just wrote down Ohm? No, I'm writing down Russell oh. Simmons. A funny thing is I think that we've talked about this before. Really? Well, I'm sure the listeners will let us know if that's the case. <laughs> well, it's um, you're supposed to do it twice a day for 20 minutes. The, the best thing for me is if I wake up, go piss, come back and sit and do it. Then you got one down. Right. And then the other one I do like after lunch when I'm crashing around 3 o'clock because that's the, that's the rejuvenation one. Mm. And, you know, the 20 minutes that you think you're losing – you gain so much more in what you're actually going to get accomplished. Yeah, I got to do something. See, I, Jeff and I were talking about this a little bit too. Like I wake up feeling like, oh my God, there's so much stuff I have to do. And it's like, I have to tweet about the episode that's up. Dane Cook of me. I have, you know, I've got to go to the bathroom. I've got to like do, <laughs> deal with list? Wendy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to like, I'm trying to eat breakfast. Got to like, what am I going to make for breakfast? And then I got to like respond to emails. But really, none of it, I mean, going to the bathroom, that's sort of a pressing matter, but but it's not always easy. But well, beyond we, that, there's yeah, I wake up in this panic. Well, I think the panic can stem from the human condition should be busy. We should have jobs. Right. We should wear vests with little pickle jars in them like Caesar Milan wants for his dogs. Right. No, but I mean, oh, wait, I've, do you been mean like the- I've been happier when I'm writing on a TV show and I've got to be there at 930 yeah. and I show up. And I, I got my coffee mug on my desk that I use every day and I go get a cup and there's a couple of PAs that are cute and I look at them and I fantasize and I flirt mm-hmm. and they they only flirt back because I can help them. But that's fine. We all get that. <laughs> Everyone's on the same page. And then, uh, you know, there's a writer's meeting and everybody talks about what fucking TV show you watched last night and then you work and your juices are flowing and then there's a lunch and you sit. It's like that's what your day should be. And with us... We just wake up into a void. Yeah. And that causes anxiety because you're, you're just right. thinking too much. I think you're right. You're right. Because I definitely have made the decision to take it, take things, take it easier now that I'm pregnant. Um, maybe it's, t- I'm taking it too easy. Are you doing uh, like yoga or pregnancy exercise classes? Um, I've been trying, not actually pregnancy exercise classes. I have an exercise bike um, that I used to do every day for an hour. Really? An hour? An hour, yeah. Wow. That was my pre-pregnancy Would you thing. measure your heartbeat when you did it? No. Yeah. Um, Just curious how hard you were pushing yourself. Not... Like, were you huffing and puffing? Yes, during parts of it. Because I have, like, I set I set the course, and so it gets... Interval resistant. training. Yeah, right. exactly. But it's not like... It's not like sweats pouring off of me yeah but definitely so that i'm breathing a lot harder it's also really good for your head yeah i really liked it since i am pregnant the last time i tried to do it because it's a re- the bike is a recumbent bike my legs kept hitting my pregnant belly oh, yeah. so that was uncomfortable so then i've been actually just trying to walk more mm. um I don't feel like walking is like that great exercise, but I also get really tired out now. So I'd like yeah. to see no, you get not... into a class a couple days a week. That would be good for me. You know, just like a point. You need a few appointments. Yeah, it would be good for me. Good for your head. I For me, exercise, I'm lucky as shit because I was born. Well, I wasn't lucky as a kid. I was stick thin and I was embarrassed. Like I'm wearing shorts today. Mm-hmm. I never would have worn shorts. I did not wear shorts until I was in my 20s. 
and uh, I was bony. And but now, as an adult, the payoff is I can eat whatever the fuck I want. So, so lucky. exercise for me is just keeping my head straight. Yeah, and I exercise a lot for that reason. Do you go to a gym? Yes. What one? Twenty four hour fitness. My I I belong to a nice little one in Venice, but it went out of business. Uh. Venice is getting gentrified. Nothing that I enjoyed in Venice exists anymore. They've all gone out of business. Half my friends have moved out of Venice and it's all these douchey fucking hipsters and all these coffee shops where it's $6 for a (laughs) a shot of espresso that a guy in a lab coat makes and, uh, you know, little like little clothing stores that have like 12 articles of clothing in them hanging on racks. I hate all of it. Ugh. So, you know, it's... uh, it's not what it was. So now you belong to the now big, I belong the big to chain like, gym. Yeah, and it's sweaty. It stinks. I kind of miss going like to a it. gym. Yeah. Maybe I should join again. Join a gym. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I will. Um, Plus the small gym, I knew everybody. You know, I'd walk in and uh, have my cup of coffee and I'd flirt with the intern. And Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this sounds like a pattern. <laughs> um, it was nice. I, yeah. You'd shoot the shit with people and it was nice. But yeah. now, now it's so fucking anonymous. Yeah, I've been getting really into Netflix. Maybe that's not the direction I should go. What are you go. watching? Um, I just finished the first season of Broadchurch. What's Do you that? know it? No. It's uh, it was on BBC. Oh yeah. Um, and it's this British crime drama that was so good. I watched it all in two days. It's it was heavy and dark. It it starts with the death of a kid, and Damn. then yeah. So I um I cried a little bit, but it was really good. And then there's another season. Um, that I'm gonna watch next, and I'm also very into Westworld. Have you been watching that on HBO? Do you know what it is? You give me a blank stare. I because I'm it's ringing a bell. Is it kind of futuristic? Yes, it's it's, a- it's in this century, but it's sometime in the future, and it's based on a Michael Crichton book, and then they made a movie, I think, in the 70s with Yul Brenner. I watched the pilot, and it's that's not my style. Not I my wouldn't thing. have thought it was my style, but it turns out it is. Real, right. well. It, Surprisingly, so I was obsessed with that, but then Broadchurch came along, and now that's all I care about. All right, Broadchurch, yeah, good. It's really good. You would probably like Broadchurch, yeah. I think you would. Um, so since I, I since Lady Dynamite, if you haven't seen that, holy mother. Oh of yeah, God. I heard that's good. Oh, I heard that's good. What is that? Maria Bamford is oh yes, just yes. a genius. Her last, if you haven't seen, I, I actually listened to her last stand-up special. It's so smart and. Um, truthful, insightful, funny as shit. Like I, I think she used to rely on the voices too much. Mm-hmm. Now the voices are secondary to the, the 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 jokes and the points of view that she has. They're really I, as good as any hour I've heard in my life. Phenomenal. And I Lady Dynamite is a really fun show. I need to watch that. But listen to the special first. Okay, that is what I will do. Um, so since my thing is telling you things that uh, I should just keep to myself, I have some news about my vagina. Uh, I've decided I'm You don't go- have some kind of a stink for that, Jeff? <laughs> we really should. <laughs> <laughs> news it's from Allison's news Vagina. With Allison. Vagina. Allison Rosen is your best friend. Bring you news. Vagina. I've decided I'm going back to full bush during this pregnancy. I respect that. Because thank you for realizing the 
braveness of this announcement and this decision. Um, I have talked about how in pregnancy, your hair gets a, like grows a lot faster and it's thicker. And um, it's been tough for me to keep up with the cactus growing between my legs. Yeah. Um, and because I'm not a waxing or laser hair removal person, I'm a shaving person. Um, and well, talk to me about the undercarriage. Is it wide? Are you a wide grower? Or does it come I don't, in and We're going to find patch? out. We're going to find out. Oh, you it's haven't been let a long, it go for a while. No, it's been since I was like 20. No shit. 20 something. Really? Yes. Yes. Because as you get older, time. it can start to creep down the thigh a little bit. I think it's fairly wide yeah. because the problem was I was shaving and then like that night I'd be like, every it feels all prickly again and mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable. So then I switched from using soap to shaving cream and I got a, I brought a second razor into the shower just for that area. Cause I'm like, maybe I'm dulling like the razor is not sharp enough or so. So then I became like very, I'm like, I gotta get the closest best shave possible to carry me till tonight. <laughs> so then I was doing that. And How then often? I was, I was shaving in the shower every day, every day. Yeah. But it's like, it's not like if you were to, and this won't be happening, but if you were to look, I don't think you'd be like, oh, look at your five o'clock bush shadow. It's just I was feeling it grow back right. already. And I used to becoming- have a joke about it. I said, you know, guys, uh, women, what is it? No, guys shave their balls and they go, yeah, yeah, my girlfriend likes how it feels. Yeah, she likes how it feels the first night. Four nights later, it feels like you're spanking her in the taint with a cactus. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So I felt like I Mike's was- for my stand-up comedy. <laughs> I felt like that's what I was doing to myself, like walking around. I was like, yeah. this is all very uncomfortable. Um, so then when I got to the point where I was having to lift my belly up in order to get down there because I can't see there anymore, I just thought, what am I doing? Yeah, that must be difficult if you can't see. A blind shave on your most sensitive region? Well, I could kind of like pull it up. And you've and memorized then look, it. Yeah, and then I could, could like, if I hoist the pregnant belly up then i can see but I'm, i know where this is headed it's headed towards me not being able to see anymore yeah. not being able to like lift it out of the way so then i thought you know if i can make it through an itchy couple days it's not going to bother me anymore mm-hmm. and that's where i am and i and it's not it's not a feast for the eyes i'll tell you that already it's already not a feast for the eyes it's wow. not all back yeah. But I mean, it's definitely like there's like the tiny bit of hair that was there before. And then there's little tiny shrubs trying to trying to join their friends. Uh, it's like you're going through over. puberty again. Yeah. And it and speaking of wide, like it is it's outside the boundary of where you would want it to not. It's a little beyond it's it's overreaching. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a little heading into thigh zone. Uh, I guess. It's like when you have a garden and then the flowers start to plant yeah. themselves outside of the borders of the garden. Yes. Yeah. It is trying to annex my thighs. Right. right. <laughs> not really. I, I'm, I'm touching to where it is. It's not really there. I'm painting a disgusting picture. I say go for it completely. Grow I'm go- that shit I am, out. I, yes. They're going to shave it anyway before you have the baby. I, I think Let I will probably. No, you know what? I, I don't trust them to mm. give me to do it well. Oh, so that would I'll be probably, like the great. It's like that's like when you see the mob guy go in and he gets his gets his <laughs> shave. The other guy shaves <laughs> right. for him. You could be like that. You just lay back with a cigar. 
Your legs in the stirrups? Maybe I will, just for the power move of yeah, it. Yeah, talk about what horse is going to win in the, in <laughs> the fifth race that night. Yeah, maybe I will. So yeah, that's that's where I'm going with it. And I figure, look, it's not like I'm going to be in a bikini or anything. So um, I think you should put photos up every week so people can see. I've honestly wondered, like, is my underwear going to start feeling tighter? You know, with like the volume you the may want a different fabric. Perhaps. Perhaps a loose weave crochet underwear won't be my thing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> my wife never shaved. What does she, does she do anything? No. Oh, because is your wife Irish? She Irish Half Irish, half Jewish. Oh. Well, so what's going on? You know, pretty standard issue. So just full bush? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Is she light haired? Yeah. Well, how do you feel about that? Because I've, I've, this is not, this is not I don't not like news. to shave. I don't want to, I'll be honest with you. Here's how old I am. I wasn't around for the shaved pussy okay. era. I, it was never a part of my reality. I don't think I ever had sex with a girl with a shaved pussy. Never and had, ever. And I had sex with a lot of girls. And they all had full bush? They, well, I think some of them pulled it back, but they all had <laughs> hair down there. Okay. And I, I like that. I don't think I would enjoy, the shave boy, it just feels like it would be like a child. A prickly, stubbly child. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I think probably like the best version of that is if the person waxes or gets laser hair removal because the shaving, there's always a like, yes. like, it grows back. Yeah. And the intention was never to be completely hairless, which I never was completely, but it just like, you you know you get sloppy and then all of a sudden you, it's like when you're cutting your bangs like just a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more yeah, it's not even it's not even right. um but i and like i said this is what i was gonna say this is not a, a surprise to regular listeners of me because i have expressed this before um i sported full but and i have black hair full bush till i was probably like 23 or 24 no i never realized all the other women were no longer doing this no one ever, and I, it's like I, it's one of the many things that I blame my mom for that aren't, isn't really her fault, but I feel like she should have pulled me aside and told me about this well, somehow. How would she know? I know. I have no your idea. Your friends should have, did you ever shower with your friends or go to the spa or anything? No. That's when it would have come up. Yeah. I guess, but that also, that would have been mortifying for me. To have a big bush. No, that was my daily life. To, to have someone call me out on it. Yeah. Um, I think, that I thought that shaving and remove, I thought the removing of hair was just, just a porn thing. I didn't realize that what is, if it's a porn thing, it's an everyone thing. I thought there were parallel universes. There's like what happens in porn and then real life, not realizing that the membrane is very porous. Well, yeah, it's like when you look at uh, fashion week in Paris and then you look at what people are really wearing. Right. One affects the other, but it's not direct. I feel like with porn, it has become more direct. Yeah. I think. Which is also why people are having anal more. You know, from what I understand from my single friends, anal is on the table these days. Really? Yeah. Literally on the table. Because see, I think a shift from generations before us to us, I think for generations before us, Oral sex was considered more intimate Absolutely. than regular sex. Absolutely. So now you, a blowjob is like second base. Yes. It's nothing. Right. And anal is like third base. That is news to me. And anal used to be, well, first of all, I also came into my sexual peak when AIDS popped its 
ugly head into yeah. the sexual world. So I anal sex was just not it was rare. It was a it was not seen in the wild very often. I was just recently remembering and getting upset about um a one night stand where in the morning there were no condoms and the guy's like, you want to have anal sex? And I said, no, but it's funny that I feel, I don't know why I feel angry about that because it's not like I had shown him that I'm a virtuous woman and you must really know me well to, I don't know. I was like, where does he get off thinking that I'd be into that? Well, I didn't know him and I went home with him and spent the night in his apartment. It was a, a very, very stupid thing I did. Um, so I guess I could see where he would get off thinking that I'm down for that, but I absolutely wasn't. And I was offended. My freshman year of college, I'm going to share something with you. Please. <laughs> My freshman year, first week of school, and I hook up with this girl down the hallway from me, and we're fooling around, and uh, she's from Manhattan. She's a little fast and nice body. And we get down to it, and then she says that I, she says I'm having my period, and I said, "Oh, all right, bummer." Well, you know, another time she goes, <laughs> "Well, do you want to you want to have anal?" And I'd never had anal before. Wow! And I was like, "Yeah." And uh, we went out on the uh, no, we were out. We were on the football field because she had a roommate. This is just the first week. First week of school Holy I'm on the shit. football field, which is surrounded by three giant dorms mm-hmm. at Boston University. It's dark, but literally a thousand kids are looking on the field, but they can't see it because it's dark. If a light had come on, right. it would have been me boning this girl up the ass in front of everybody the first week of school. Wow. And then we just, that was the way we did it. That was just how from we did then it. On? From then on. I mean, we did both. I'm speechless. But, yeah, we did both, but they was it became standard. Was that so? That was your was that your introduction to anal sex? Yes, but it wasn't hers. Oh no! <laughs> did no. you guys end up just being hookup buddies, or did you for four years? And but you never dated. Nope. And and her friends, by extension, were booty calls. What? But booty booty calls or vaginal booty calls? Oh, no, no, vaginal booty okay. calls. Um, and she knew this. Oh, yeah. Well, she wasn't happy about it, did, but, but she knew about it. Did either of you like each other as more than just a booty call? I think she maybe wanted a little bit more. Why didn't you? I didn't want a girlfriend in college. Did you never have a girlfriend in college? No, I did. Hmm. I did. Hmm. And I hmm. cheated on her a little bit. With, I don't feel good about it. I'm, I didn't have a girlfriend the whole time. But, but here's what I'm wondering. This girl that you ended up having anal sex with for four years and also you hooked up with her friends that you met your first week of college. I don't know why I'm, I don't know why I'm making this point, by the way. But I, I'm asking anyway because I'm just curious. I'm not judging. Um is she someone that maybe you would have liked as more than a booty call if it hadn't started that way? No, no, just never. no. She wasn't really. She wasn't really my type. She was a. Uh, she was a very nice girl. Mega wealthy. Her father owned 113 shopping malls. Wow. 
and uh, he helicopter skied, and you know, it was a whole world. You know, like I remember going to her summer house in Greenwich, which was a huge estate, and having sex in the swimming pool while the father was like right there, like right. And it was crazy. Mm. It was very, very decadent. Right. It sounds like very less than zero. Yeah, it was not. It, it just. I hope she's not listening. Do you think she is? Who knows? I mean, this has a big listenership. That'd be cool if she is. I guess so. I mean, look, I'm never going to turn down a listener. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> You're Allison Rosen. I know. In case you don't know, I'm your new best friend. I'm I'm needy and I'm available. Yeah. <laughs> but charming. Um. Wow. Well, that is... Uh, I, I see, had sex with almost every girl on my floor freshman year. Almost every one. It turned into a mission. After halfway through the year, I was like, "Wow, there's been a lot of them." And then I started to go. I started trying to pick them off one by one. Hmm. But that's what it was like back then. BU was just wild. It was totally wild, especially freshman year. All we did was drink and have sex. Everybody. Do you miss it? Yes. <laughs> Do I miss it? It was. <laughs> Other than the birth of my children, it was the greatest <laughs> time of my life. Other than my what, oh, fill in the blank with things that, yeah, that were more important. It was just so. And you know, you're out of the house. Well, I took a year off after high school, but that was a very different year than college. College was being in these dorms that were thirteen stories high, three of them next to each other, filled with kids your own age that just want to party. And I miss that too. Oh, it was so yeah, great. It was really fun. I was thinking recently about like that feeling of driving some because I always fell for guys who were in bands. And so like driving to the show where the guy's band was playing and like, oh, what's gonna happen after the show? And like I think there might be some interest there. I know I'm so into him and my friends are with me. And it was like almost the the lead up to actually getting to the show it was like six hours of bliss because I yeah. was just the anticipation and it was so much fun and my friends and, and then we could talk about what he said. And, uh, and I, I was thinking about that and that kind of, fe- that, that exhilaration of being young and having crushes, which by the way, also went with the devastation of being young and having crushes. Yeah. So it was very high highs and low lows and how my life just thankfully or I think rightly so, does not have that anymore. It has, and I was thinking, well, well, where are the high highs going to come from? I mean, they come from career, and I know that they, well, I was going to say they'll come from having a child, but I don't think that's a high high. I think it's different. I think it's the, I I feel satisfaction from things, and I feel happy, and I feel happy that I'm so much healthier now than I was but at the same time, there is a part of me that like misses that crazy drug-like exhilaration. Of course, but also you haven't had this baby yet. You are in for the highest of highs because it's a it's a high that has roots, mm-hmm. and it, you'll feel like moments of elation, a lot of them. Okay, good. And you'll feel it to your core, which you haven't felt before. No, and not you'll, and that you'll, way, you know, yeah. and like this obviously. It's funny how your memory works. There's a reason why we have more than one kid. You don't remember how bad it is. Yeah. And you'll come to me six months into this baby being born and go like, you didn't fucking tell me. (laughs) Nobody can tell you. It's just, 
you gotta, you know, you're in it. It's gonna yeah. happen. It's gonna be really fucking hard sometimes. But it's like, I, I think I've read about this. Your memory will be put put aside. Yeah, I think you it, do it have buried. amnesia for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I have a news story, not about my vagina. Okay. And then also people wrote in with some stuff on Twitter. Let's mm. quickly talk about this news story. Let's hear that song again. It's the news with Allison. Allison Rosen is your best friend. Breaking news. Okay. It's news about a comedian. Did you hear that um, Amy Schumer did a show in Tampa, Florida, and she criticized Trump, and 200 people walked out. Did you hear about this story? I did. Um, okay, so she was doing her tour, and uh, she brought a Trump fan, a Trump supporter on stage to to have him defend Trump, and she referred to Trump as an orange, sexual-assaulting, fake college-starting monster. And then... <laughs> Um, video of the performance shows audience members booing and walking out. Um, and then she encouraged the security to throw out the hecklers and she said, it's too important. So we're going to spend five minutes talking about it. Um, and then in a statement to Vanity Fair, she said, I want to thank the 8,400 people who stayed. We've always depended on comedians to make us laugh and to tell the truth. I am proud to continue that tradition. Um, I just want to know what your thoughts are on this because I, go back and forth a lot between like wanting to post political stuff or talk about political stuff just a tiny bit. Like I'm very, I'm really not a political person. And I think people don't think of me as a very political person. So I think like what, if I post something political, then all of a sudden I get, you open the floodgates. Yes. I get a lot of people who are like, who are upset about it. That's a good um, question. I mean, because I mean, the thing about Amy Schumer is she is an outspoken person. You know, her cousin is Chuck Schumer. Right. She has been political in the past. So it's not like she's inviting you to her show with the idea that she's Jim Gaffigan and she's going to talk about Hot Pockets. Yes. You know, she's... A, so, first of all, out of 8,600 people, 200 left. Right. If you think about it, supposedly Trump has 46% of the country... Well, why didn't 46% of the people leave? Because most people can take a fucking joke. Mm-hmm. And if you believe in your candidate and your and your set of values, it's not it's not confronted by a comedian talking about it to the point where you have to leave. Right. So I think that And it also really yeah, like you're saying it shouldn't to the people in her crowd, it shouldn't be a surprise that she's going to be anti-Trump. And even if it was, yeah. Even if it was. So you go to see Barbara Streisand. You know she's political. She might say something between songs. Okay. Did that ruin her singing Evergreen? To a lot of people, probably yes. But I agree with you. Because I feel like, okay, it was one tweet that you disagreed with. Let it go. Yeah. Well, I just think that, you, you know, the squeaky wheel has to be ignored more in this country. Mm-hmm. Like that number of people leaving is, what is that? Like half of 1%? 2 point. 2.4%. 2.4%. Right. Well, so that and was... And then a, a tweet, even a barrage of angry tweets, out of what? How many followers do you have? 100,000? Mm, 80,000. So 80,000. Yeah. And I you know. get 10 angry tweets? Right. It's like, why Why waste a moment thinking about that when, in fact, I think you're reinforcing with people that do believe in you that they're hearing who you are in every facet. And yeah. I think as long as you go into it with what you just said, which is I don't follow a lot of politics i'm not a political person but here's what i'm feeling right now 
You know, I don't, I don't think that people should be pedantic. I don't think that you should try to preach to the converted. Um, I, I, and I do feel like on my podcast, I, I, I've turned down guests that, that were just like, there's this guy who's a, a redneck, who's a Democrat, and that's his angle. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I just don't want to talk politics for an hour. I just don't think that that's why people listen to me. Right. I don't think that I can carry an hour of politics with what I understand about it. So, but at the same time, uh, you know, I think that you and I talk about every aspect of our lives. Right. And, and I don't think you should completely ignore it just because, you know, you're going to get some angry tweets from fucking idiots. Right. I mean, yeah. And I did a tiny bit talk about it on a recent show and I was so apologetic about it. And then I thought, well, I don't feel like I need to be, I like, I was sort of upset with my, the way that I myself had handled it. Like, I don't think I need to be apologetic on my own show. And it actually was fine. Like no one seemed to really care. Even if they did though, like, I know I, I shouldn't care about them caring. I guess that's what I liked about, about this story is the reminder that like, well, 8,400 people stayed. Cause I, when I write, the tweet or the post i'm like i know i'm gonna get shit and i don't care and then when i get the shit i'm like oh i guess i care i shouldn't let people know that but i think they know that i care you know yeah i think well with amy schumer in particular like i think that um you know you have a duty i think we'll look back on this campaign the way people might look back on you know kennedy and nixon or Mm -hmm. where there was just so black and white what you're voting for and more so more than any election in history a guy who represents evil and and did you do like my friends are like yeah we're all going to nevada to not knock on doors and tell me i go i do a podcast where i tell hundreds of thousands of people something and that's my knocking on doors i don't need to fucking take a bus to nevada Right, right. So, so I, I guess think I, agree I think that if her. you if you feel really strongly it's about something, important. I think you have a you have a duty to say it. Yeah. Do you think it, this would happen at your show? Do you think people would walk out if you were to say? No, something I do like Trump that? material. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I guess I wonder, and I don't want to go to this well, but if if she were a male comedian, would that have happened? Or do you think it was because she was in Tampa, Florida? I think it was Tampa, Florida. I work Tampa. And uh, I could see it happening there very easily. Right. Okay. You know, the western side of uh, Florida is very different than the eastern side of Florida. It's, it's you know. Trump country? It's deep south. Right. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, I think that if you're going to do those jokes, you have to be able to do what she did, which is to back it up and yeah. to push back even harder. And to say, because I, I, I read something that she said that was very sarcastic about, oh, sorry, I won't do any more jokes that don't please every single person, <laughs> you know? And I think that that's, that's the stand you have to take, because if you're going to put it out there, you have to back it up. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's spe- the, specifically the thing I grapple with, wanting to wanting to be liked and wanting to be everything to everyone and wanting to be, like, so inoffensive, Um. And then being like also wanting to be who I truly am and wanting to be outspoken about what I care about. It's tough. Mm. Although I hear that description, the first part, the thing I described first, I'm like, oh, gross. Yeah. Gross needing to be like, that's the need. That's needy. That's here I am. Mm. Ick. We all, we all struggle with that. Where are we in the spectrum of needy and, and, uh, insecure and caring too much about what people think and the opposite side is being an arrogant asshole right who doesn't care at all i mean it's like how do you strike that balance of being 
sensitive and aware of, um, you know, the context that you live in and, uh, and also digging in on things that are, that are important and mean something to you. And also having the confidence to believe that what you say is valid. Yeah. Yeah. Like sometimes when I talk politics, I feel like I just don't know enough about it. I always, I always feel that way if I'm entering into a political discussion, especially because oftentimes the opposing side is filled with bullshit. Filled with talking points yes. that they've absorbed from media and right. they're just regurgitating. And I'm like I know it's I know it's bullshit, but I don't know enough to be able to debunk it exactly. Yeah, you have to get into this whole rabbit hole where you watch Fox News so you can see what their take is on it, so you can have a take on their take. And it just becomes this ping pong match. Yeah. As opposed to like, you know, I think with stand up, if you say something and it's funny and it lands and makes a point, that's just a win, win, win. Because you can't fight against that. You can't fight against the fact that a room full of people just laughed at something because that means that at its core, it was truthful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. It's not, it's not, um, stratagems and, and strategy and all that. Hmm. Let's, uh, even though, of course, there is strategy to stand up, but I just mean there's, it's something that is resonating with people. Yeah. Um, let's take uh, questions from Twitter. There we go. When we ask this and them in, they're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay. Ray Morgan, what advice would he give to someone wanting to get into stand-up comedy? Um, for me, it was all about, uh, I think the drive took over and just to let the drive take over and realize that uh, it's not something you can do passively. Um, I mean, it's great. If you want to go out and try it, if you want to jump out of a plane and say, we, this is fun, and then do it, you know, and don't get carried away with it. But once you cross the threshold where you say, this is something I really want to do. You have to give up going to weddings on Saturdays because you're going to drive and do a spot for free two hours away. And you have to give up dates with your girlfriend. You're going to lose girlfriends. It's got to be all in. And when you do it, the other small thing is tape every set that you do and listen to it with a notebook and make adjustments. Am I saying, uh, a lot? Mm. Uh, and, uh, Am no, I, said, mm-hmm. am I over talking and, you know, figure out a tagline that was missing? You'll learn twice as much listening as you will saying stand up and just realize that it's not about the ends. It's about the process. You have, you have to love it more than you love all the comforts of a social life or it's probably not going to work out. Shira Myers. Shira Myers. Yes. Hi, I love you both. What parenting and marital advice does he have for you and Daniel Quantz? And then she also said, also, I bought the dangerous book for boys for my husband and son per his recommendation on your previous pod. Nice. Yeah, that's fun. I would say the immediate advice that I give to anybody having a baby is whatever money you have, get yourself a lot of childcare Mm. so that you guys can go out on a date so you can go out during the day and go take a spin class or whatever. It's really important that you just block out some money and realize that your sanity in the first year is something you're going to fight for. Right. And you should resource it as much as possible. Um, Do you have family in town? Not 
I have family in Orange County. That which, helps. Yeah, it does. But it's not not as good as if it was in LA. Um, like where would they stay if they were helping out? Right. I mean, there's... So the room that's going to be the baby room right now has a bed in it. And we're trying to figure... It's a guest room. And we're trying to figure out, can we keep the bed in it and also have room for the crib and the changing table and all that? I think ideally we're going to try to keep that bed in there so that people could stay here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you guys get a baby nurse? Nighttime? Yeah, night nurse. No, we had a woman come twice a week. But, you know, um, my wife stopped working. She just literally started working again this past week. Oh, wow. After 16 years. So she's she was a stay-at-home mom. We had no family in town. Mm-hmm. So this woman coming twice a week was her only time. You know, and I was around, but the first year I was on the road a lot because right. I, I got panicked about money and I... I just lined up a ton of road work. And it was kind of a mistake that I learned from. Mm-hmm. But I would say if you can get a night nurse, get it. The money will come later. When So at the beginning, I was, I was, there were, I was having twins. And then I lost one of them. And when I thought it was twins, I was like, okay, we definitely need a night nurse or something to help at the very beginning. But now that I'm just having one, I've been thinking, oh, I don't think I need that. I don't know, but then recently people were saying if you can do it, it'll it'll save your sanity. Do it, maybe you know, do it and see how it feels. Some people do it and they feel like the person's in the way. Well, that's what I was going to say is I don't love the idea of a lot of people in this home. However, maybe things once the baby's here, I'll be like I don't care about that anymore. Hmm. Um, but yeah, my initial reaction is like that I would feel not totally comfortable around this person. I don't know. Is, that is, a play by uh, is is your husband going to take some paternity leave? Yes. I don't know how much he gets. Um, he's going to look into that. But that's something that makes me feel better, too. Because when I, when I think about how's it going to work with the podcast, it's like I'm imagining the second week he's going to be back at work and I'm going to be alone with the baby. And no, he'll, he definitely gets more time off. Yeah. So I think we'll figure it out. Yeah, go all in. You can always pull back, but your sanity early on. You know, you got postpartum depression is always a possibility. I mm-hmm. mean, if you have a C-section, you're going to need more support. Yeah. So line up line up all the help you can get. Okay, Joe Randazzo says, where does he get his hats? Oh, on the road. You know, when I, I never shop for clothing when I'm home in LA because it's just, it wouldn't occur to me to like, take my time out of a beautiful day where I could go to the beach or hang out with my kids and go shop. And I'm killing time on the road. Cleveland has a lot of amazing hat stores. They're all in the uh, black neighborhood. You go down there and um, there's this one store that, uh, uh, what's his name? Paul Harvey has a store down there. He's from Cleveland. And that, that's the first place I started buying hats. As San Francisco, I buy vintage hats there. And I got to stop. I've got too many hats. Do you have like a hat, a good hat organization system? Yes. Nails in the wall inside my closet. Well, smart. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought that I had so many more and I'm not finding them. All right. So let me ask you some questions. All right. I was going to say, let's do just me or everyone, but you asked me some questions. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on breastfeeding? What's your goal? My goal is to breastfeed. But also probably to introduce him to bottles early on um, so that if I need to supplement or whatever, then I can. Hmm. Um, But yeah, I do intend to breastfeed. 
Not just because they say it makes the weight come off, but that's part of it. Well, there's a lot of advantage. You know, my wife was a, a certified lactation consultant. I did not know that. So she can talk to you if you have any questions okay. about it. Should um, I tell her that I know that she has a full bush or no? I'd rather you didn't. Okay. I don't want her to start cutting it now. Enjoy it. <laughs> the The advantages are the immune system for your kid gets bolstered a lot. Yes. There's a lot of studies that show increased intelligence from the skin-to-skin contact, the eye contact while the baby's feeding. You will lose weight. It sucks up your belly, mm-hmm. basically, back in again. My wife went from a 34C to a 34D. Wow. And stayed there. Really? Huh. Hey, now. (laughs) She did it for two years for each kid. So how long do you think you want to go for? I don't know. I haven't really put a time limit on it. Um, In, let's say, the second year, how frequently was the feeding? In the second year? Yeah. I have no idea. I mean, I it obviously the... would go through the night. Right. Okay. Maybe, you know, three, four times a day. Yeah. I don't know. There's something. I'm a, there's, I don't even want to admit this because I feel like it's so anti, anti all the things that we're supposed to be. There's something a little, I'm having to bring, wrap my head around the idea of like the kid walking up and just being and talking and having teeth and also it's so weird beard. when i say it out loud now it never felt weird and a lot of people and, do and, it and, and, I, and it shouldn't be weird i'm just saying i am but also some weird hang up no and that i don't think there should be stigma about it one way or the other yeah I, I really the first thing that she learned in this lactation class was whatever your level of comfort is is fine it is not the end of the world if the if the baby doesn't latch on and you can't get a good feed going it's fine. Mm. The kid's going to have a bottle. You're going to hold them anyway. You're still going to get the skin. Con- you know, you, there's ways of still right. doing it. Um, so you should be fine with that. And at the same time, if you feel like this is uh, like she, my wife just felt so much bonding from doing it that she wanted to keep doing it. It wasn't her plan. Right. Right. But it just continued. And it is. I look back and I go, wow, that was fucking weird. Like, I remember we'd be home for Christmas back in New York. And my family's like Irish Catholic, and she'd pop a tit out, and the room would clear. <laughs> Except for my uncle, uh, my uncle Mike would stick around, and uh, <laughs> I'd say, "Hey," and uh, yeah. So I think it's I think you have to go into it fully accepting, however, it's going to turn out. Yeah, I think that's that'll probably be the deciding factor because I know I have friends who fully intended to breastfeed, and it just it never was it never went well. Like they, they did it and they struggled, but it was never what you hear it can be. So Mm. they, they stopped maybe four to six months in. Yeah. But then I have friends who felt like the kid really took to it and it was a bonding thing and they were hesitant to give it up. So they did it for longer. Mm. So I guess we'll just see what kind of kid this is. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's actually kind of a good introduction to parenting because parenting is give and take. It's about, feeling it and i think the the parents that have the hardest time are the ones that maybe they didn't have good parents themselves and their instincts are they they don't trust their instincts Mm -hmm. and so they go by you know they've got a book in one hand and the baby in the other and they're trying to follow a a a certain you know system that's actually one of my that's a a beef i have with um with a lot of people (laughs) uh this thing of like 
just be in the moment. Just react to me in the moment. You like, I understand that you want some kind of like, I should always be this way. I should always be this way. But like, that's, you're not in, you're not in a relationship with me if you're doing, and by the way, I'm not talking about um, my husband. I'm talking mostly about, <laughs> it's mostly my parents, but also when I think back on, on ex-boyfriends and things like, cause I feel like people have said to me, but you said this and it's like, yeah, but, but what about what's happening this afternoon? Mm. Like if you were actually engaging with me and hearing me right now, then we wouldn't be, I'd be very vague and I don't even, I don't even know. I don't, it's not like it's a specific thing I'm talking about as much as just well, in general. Well, you can't be held to how you felt about yes. something at any time. And I, and I think it's also, these things re- are fluid. It's great to read the books because you get, you'll get some ideas from some and you can reject some. And then once you have your baby, you just have to, you know, allow what feels right and trust your instincts and know that, your kid you can drop your baby on its head and it will live and and i used to have to remind myself of that my wife did you know no no i'm saying i won't live right you'll feel horrible <laughs> yeah but i'm just saying the point is kids are tough i know they're and much I, just, more I don't resilient. mean just physically i mean emotionally yeah you know they kids go through horrible things and your child is in the born in the most developed country in the world you're in one of the most developed cities you are uh, somebody who's been through the therapy you've got so much to offer this kid if you operate at the bottom end of your uh abilities it's still going to be an amazing experience for the kid thank you yes i hope you're right thank you enjoy it um i will i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to it sound passionate i will I am looking forward to it. I was told I should say I will when things like this come up. Um, A lot of thoughts on labor. That's where my brain Mm. goes a lot these days. Like, how's that going to be? So we'll we'll find out. Um, Did you have more questions or should we do just mirror everyone? I'm good. Okay. We'll do another one soon. Perfect. I'll have more questions. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me? But first, I want to tell you guys, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are, because they have everything, click through the banner on my my website, alisonrosen.com. Yeah, but then people have to pay more. No, they don't. It's the exact same price. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, but then there's all those forms to fill out. Nope, no forms. No, they all they do is they click through the banner on my website, takes them to Amazon, go buy whatever they want. They don't even feel, it doesn't feel any different to them. It's just, really? yes, it's exactly the same. And then Amazon kicks a few cents my way and it helps out the show. Yeah, but enormously. people are already paying you for your podcast all the time. No, they're not. It's free. Oh, so this, this would this be a is, way that people could Yes, just... it's a way to support the show. Wow. I, I don't see why people wouldn't just bookmark your site and use that every time they went to Amazon. That, it's a great idea. They should. Hmm. But. Additionally, there's another way to support the show. That's not the only way. Oh. Because some people like more than one way. Sure. Let's say Anal. you're... <laughs> exactly. Let's say you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I gots to have more. I need more. They're not, I'm not getting enough. Well, at patreon.com slash Allison Rosen, there's all these different levels of rewards. One of the rewards you get extra bonus episodes a little higher level you get interactive live stream that's video with me i will talk with you uh 
It's super fun. There's like a fan club level where you get merchandise. Um, there's lower levels where you get access to the activity feed, which is where I interact with people and post like behind the scenes videos. There's all sorts of stuff. Um, check it out. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. How do you spell Patreon? P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Allison Rosen. And as always, subscribe. iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. If you like what you're hearing, uh, leave us a nice comment that helps out the show and click five stars. Okay. Oh, and uh, follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen and the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. By the way, some people think I'm ending the show. I'm not. I'm just moving the plugs to the near end. But this is not the end yet. Jeff, where should we go for you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. And Greg, plug everything. Uh, let's plug it all. Fitzdog Radio twice a week. We just did some fun ones. I had Norm MacDonald on. Oh, nice. And uh, Jesse Ventura. So check those out. It's on iTunes or my site, fitzdog.com. At Greg Fitz Show. And then I got a show coming up here in LA, Burbank, Flappers. Flappers. Flappers in Burbank, finally. It's always been a dream. <laughs> and now uh, I'll finally be there. finally broke in. I'll be there on November, I want to say 14th or 17th or something like that. Go to fitzdog.com, the 17th, fitzdog.com. Also, just announced, I just got booked at Pittsburgh, PA, at the improv on December. Uh, I believe it's the 8th through the 11th. No, not December. November. November, like, I, don't, I forget. But November just, November 9th or 10th or 11th or 12th, something like that. But Fitzdog.com would Fitzdog. have all this Fitzdog.com has yes. all that info. I'm sorry. I'm not, I wasn't okay. ready for the plugs. I usually do them so late in the show. I know. It's, I, I throw people for a loop. Yeah. Okay. Kimberly Ehrman says, I spray a little air freshener on my bum after spraying the bathroom at work, just in case, just mirror everyone. I would be a, fr- I, I would think of that as something that should not touch your skin. Well, there's wipes that are made for that. Right. But she's saying the air freshener, she like sprays a little on her butt. On her ass? Yeah. Yeah. Which well, is bum. I feel like bum is the cheeks. Right. But still, that's flesh. What is she concerned about? That her that her ass smells when Just she comes out of the case. bathroom? I guess, yeah. How much lingering... of a shit is she taking? <laughs> is it like explosive diarrhea? Well, I don't get the sense it is. I feel like she would have said that if it were. Some people have a lot of shame. I think it's very Freudian. You yeah. know, you got the anal stage and the fecal stage and all that stuff. Right. I think she's a little hung up on, on her anus. I think so. Yeah. My friend is, my friend Mary Fitzgerald, she's a writer out here, and she'll go into the writer's room, and they have a bathroom there, and she's got, uh, God, what are they called? It's a funny name. Poopery? Poopery, yeah. You spray the poopery. We have a little can of it, because I was like, I've got to see if this really works. It works. It's great. And then she's got these, these ass wipes that she uses, and I forget, there's something else. She's all about the clean asshole. I'm only like sort of about it. I'm not at all. Not at all? The only time I am, if I'm going to get a massage, then I feel like I need to take a shower first because I just feel like if I'm How laying on my stomach- How close are they getting in there? Well, you know, you they, they, they rub your ass cheeks and I feel like there is, there is ain't, I feel like if you had a dirty ass yeah. and they were rubbing your ass cheeks, I think that they would smell it and I would be really horrified to think mm-hmm. that somebody's smelling my dirty asshole. That's nice of you. I like Asian people. <laughs> J Mose for Aros says, it took at least until college before I realized the phrase is nip it in the bud, not nip it in the butt. 
I think a lot of people think it's nip it in the butt. Who I, thinks it's nip it in the butt? I think a fair amount. This person, for I one. I think the woman before also. <laughs> yes. Um, Paul Fortney says, okay, this one I'm a little confused by. Let's see if you guys can parse this. Feel like a heel when my local NPR station is doing pledging and listen to an out of town station online. Mm. Yeah. Do you get, I don't, I don't. I do. I feel like a heel. What does that mean? Heel? No. What's he saying? When he's listening to an out of town well, like station N- you know, online. NPR three right. or four times a year does their pledge drive. And so he feels like a heel when he's listening to an out of town station online. Well, and instead this of listening to it and donating. I see. He goes like, like there's, there's KPCC and KP, KPRW mm-hmm. here in LA and they're both public radio. And uh, I will go to the other one when one is doing their pledge drive. Oh, and but I do you feel f- like a heel? I feel like a heel. I, I do. See. Because I don't, I don't donate to public radio and I really should because it's amazing and I get a lot out of it. And uh, Casey Lynn Hurdy is a big part of my life. Larry Mantle, they're, they're the best. Well, and, how uh, would they know that they mean anything to you though with your behavior, you heal? I guess I... I'm going to waste 30 seconds of everyone's life and explain why I was confused by that. I was thinking, well, if he's listening to an out-of-town station online, then how would he know that NPR locally is doing their pledge? But I get what you're saying. It's in response. It switches over. Yeah. 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 Because it lasts for a week. Right. And it's incessant. Yeah. Um, CM Leifer says, uh uh-oh, yawn, wonder if a celeb thinks I'm a stalker when I get no response, but see them like and retweet stuff from other fans. Look, I'm just going to tell you, we don't. <laughs> we don't what? We don't think you're a stalker. No. No. Um, but I, I relate to that, though. I relate to that thing of like, oh, I feel like I just extended myself or put myself out there by tweeting to this person and they didn't react at all, yet they are reacting to other people. Like, is there something about me? But it, honestly, it's never about you. I think it's Twitter to me, what I like about it is that there is not a big expectation that you're going to reply to each one. I think it's you put out a thought because you think people might want to hear it. And sometimes people write in and it's nice, but I don't think there's an obligation to react to each and every one or else you'd have no life. Right. And also I don't want to retweet something that makes it sound like I'm going, look, somebody likes me. You know, so if I retweet something, it's usually maybe like a piece of information that I want to share that somebody mm-hmm. sent to me, or if uh, if somebody if somebody says I loved you and Allison together, you guys are magic, blah blah blah, and my podcast just came out, I might I might retweet that only one or two of those because it's just a way of yes. putting out the message a little bit. But if I were to retweet every one of those, it would be really obnoxious. Those are. Those are the ones I will occasionally retweet as well. If I'm trying to say like, look, you guys, this, there's something about this episode that's really special. Check it out. And I also will only retweet a few of them. But then I think, does that make it look like there only were a few? Because there were so many. (laughs) Um, But also, I don't think that some, I think it's a mistake to think that someone's seeing every single tweet of yours. You know, they're not looking at like the, whole of your tweets some people are but not everyone yeah i think it's um i think it's difficult it's getting more difficult on twitter 
in what what, what is getting I think to the expectation through? is getting more and uh, more that you reply to each one. You do. Whereas it used to just be a one way thing. It used right. to just be a bulletin board. And now it's uh, and now it's getting to be more like Facebook or something where you know hmm. and Facebook I literally go to five times a year. But my Twitter feed goes to Facebook. So then my producer will be oh. like, you know that you got like fifty messages uh on your last tweet on Facebook and people must think I'm a complete asshole because I don't reply to any of those. I just can't. Yeah. I just feel like I'm trying to spend time with my kids. I'm trying to write new material. If I were to go and and do Twitter and Facebook at the same time, it would just be, I don't have that kind of mind. I have ADHD and I get sidetracked and I got to keep some semblance of sanity. Sometimes I find that Facebook is a more pleasant place to be than Twitter. Really? Even though Twitter is my go-to first. um, Twitter's nasty. Yeah. It's getting nasty. It can't, it's, it is much less, like Facebook for the most part is a really nice community of listeners and occasionally there'll be like an asshole or two, but the community takes care of them. Yeah. Oh, I don't even have really? to get involved. By the time I, I by the time I get there, the person has been shunned and put in their it. place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas Twitter is much less, there's less of a community with Twitter. It's just more people firing off stuff. Mm. I like both, um, but I do hear you. And I don't respond to every single, and especially on, on Instagram, I don't either. Like, I don't respond to every single person. I always think it'd be so great great if I did, but I don't. Look, I'm not Dane Cook. Dane I'm Cook's not Dane Cook anymore. That's true. Maddie Porter, constantly finding dog poop bags in my pockets until the moment I need one. I don't have that with dog poop bags, but... I have that situation with tampons and pens. Like if I need a pen, I've got a bunch of tampons. If I need a tampon, I've got a bunch of pens. Yeah, that's never confusing. the right amount of both. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, this brings up, of course, my story of putting pencils up my ass. I'm not familiar with the story. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, people wrote You never in, got confused and put a pen up there? No. Okay. But and you also weren't confused. No, I knew exactly yeah. what I was doing. Yeah. Megan says, I sometimes intentionally drive behind vehicles that spew smoke just to see what they stink like. Then I berate them. I've never done that. I don't want to know what that smells like. I, and sometimes if I'm behind a car that's like spewing black stuff, I think, actually, I should probably not be behind this car because who knows what I'm breathing in. Oh, I put up my windows and then I go give them a dirty look. I always give Do them you? a dirty look. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's like... My two pet peeves are the guy who's got black smoke coming out of his car and motorcycles that are loud. I like I was just on the phone yeah. today and and I'm standing on the street and I had to wait 30 seconds for a motorcycle to drive slowly past. It was that loud for that long that I had to keep waiting. And every other person that that motorcycle passes is going through the same experience of having to stop their lives down. And they go, "Well, it's it's safer." Well, then don't do it. Then don't ride a fuck. If it's that dangerous that you have to create that much noise pollution, get a fucking Prius. Here, here. Yeah. Um, I just remembered there were a couple more questions. Then we'll oh, go back to, okay. Yeah, okay. Good. So narrator says, Greg, why is it you're such a good writer for TV? Can you explain the specific skill set to television writing? I think it's just about. You know, what is the person you're writing for sound like? And, and you gotta, you have to really, and I think I've always, 
I've always done this weird thing where even as a kid, if somebody was physically very funny, I would talk to them and I would become very physically funny. Mm -hmm. And if somebody was very ironic, I would talk ironic with them and I would always adjust. And I think it's kind of what I like about podcasting is I like to go into different modes of, of interacting and communicating. And writing is the same thing. I mean, I've written for uh, black women, lesbians, black guys, Latino guys, um, the man show to the daytime Emmys. I mean, like I've written for the spectrum and it is no, like I hate when agents go, well, he's got his, well, yeah, he writes in this voice. It's like, well, then he's not a good writer. If he can't write for right. other people, you know, it's not, it's not that hard. You just have, well, I guess it's, I, I think I am a chameleon in that way, mm. probably in an insecure need to fit in with whoever I'm talking to. I become like them. So I guess that. But it's a strength. But it's, it, it turned into a strength. Right. And my codependency turned into <laughs> an ability to like, you know, replicate somebody's voice. And then I can't find it right now, but there was another question um, that was, it was something like, will you, I don't know if you know what this is referring to. Will you confront Tosh on stealing a bit or something? Oh, I have. Okay, what is that? I mean, I, I did this whole thing about, uh, I started doing Bill Cosby's act on stage. Oh, verbatim, right, yes. And I did it as a statement to Bill Cosby that I'm going to fucking take, the worst thing you can do to a comedian is take his act. Yeah. And it's never done and it's taboo and I'm going to do it anyway. And so I would go on stage and I would just do it. And, uh, and then... Um, the Guardian wrote a piece about it, and then NPR did a piece on it. And then all of a sudden, Tosh does it like word for word what I had said he does on his show. And I saw it online. It's yeah. like it, it was the same bits that I was doing, and he was acting them out, and he gave the same reason for doing it. And I, I had heard from somebody who works on the show that he had brought it up, and somebody said Greg Fitzsimmons is doing that, and he did it anyway. Mm. So, so you uh, did you talk to him about it? I don't know the guy. Oh, okay. I mean, I know him to say hi. Yeah. Or say bye now. Right. Could probably kick my ass though. He's a surfer. What do I do? I wonder what his justification was for that. Maybe he thought of the idea the same time I did and just felt like, you know, well, he doesn't own it. Right. You like know, it's I can do thinking. Right. So I'm not, I don't give a, I could give a shit. I mean, honestly, it's just, uh, it's not hurting me. It was a bit that I did for a little while. It was just an idea. Right. Floated out. And ultimately, I didn't get behind it. I could have done, I had other press requests and I just dropped it because I felt like, what am I going to be that guy? I'm the <laughs> yeah. guy that does cause me now. <laughs> you know, so I just let it go anyway. So it didn't really bother me. Right. Well, now he can be that guy. Um, okay. And last. Or he's the guy that does Greg Fitzsimmons doing Bill Cosby. Right. Yeah. That's the guy he. I should do him doing you doing Cosby. Nice. I'll be the gal. Yeah. That gal. Yep. Unless I find out there's someone else doing it, but I'm going to do it anyway because I thought of it on my own. Parallel today. thinking. Yeah. Um, and lastly, going back to just me or everyone, the great one says, I like getting my hair cut, but hate being covered in tiny hairs the rest of the day. Look, I'm not a man and I don't have man hair. 
But I feel like if you're covered in tiny hairs, then they're not like doing their job of putting that cape thing over you in the towel and whisking it off. Am I wrong? It's impossible to keep all the hair out. No, okay. they do their best. I see them. They get the paper thing and they do the priest collar and then they do the robe on top of that. And then they whisk and they blow. You can't put it on them. Hair is, uh, you know, it's very devious. Small hairs are going <laughs> to get in. Okay. And you'll see it when you eventually shave your bush. They're going to go all down your legs. <laughs> You should auction that shit off on your little- uh, On Patreon? On Patreon. That would definitely be on brand for me. Um, maybe I should. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, should I trim it first? And like when, okay, people going through chemo when they're losing their hair, they will often cut it short and then shave it. Like they do mm. it in two stages. Yeah. Should I go two stage? Or should I just take a razor to like the full bush? That seems, what if I break the razor? You're talking about they do two stages and like a day apart? No, I think. Of course you got to do two stages. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's a day apart. I just know that oftentimes there's a hair. And then you go razor right after. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I think what you send to the fans is just that first wave. You don't yeah. give them. You don't give them stubble. No, That's disgusting. No, because you'd have to like rinse it out and yeah. then put it on a towel and blow dry it, and then it would fly everywhere. No, you grab it. Yeah, like a tuft. You grab it like a tuft, and then snip it off. Snip it, throw it in a baggie, and send it off. It's really a brilliant idea. How much do I sell it for? Well, what do your other stuff go for? What's your highest ticket item? Well, the highest ticket item. There's some unfulfilled high ticket items, but right now I have a fifty dollar. Like the I highest fulfilled this, thing is this 50. feels like a hundred. This feels like a nice round hundred dollar. I've been thinking that I need to switch up my rewards, and I was thinking of of saying to the fans, like you know, what would you guys like? Mm-hmm. This would really be changing it up. Yeah. Honestly, I think that the people who subscribe on Patreon are such nice, good people, I don't think any of them would want this. I could be wrong. By the way, the baby is kicking me like like no one's business. Really? Yeah. Can he, I feel? It's it's like down. Yeah. I don't know if you would be able to actually. Um, it's down very low. Let me, I'm going to put my foot here, my hand here and see if I can actually feel it from the outside. Um. I think the I hair. I think he doesn't like this. I idea. think the hair is even if it doesn't sell. To me, it makes a statement. What it's, is the statement? The though? statement is, I will go to any length to for, connect for your to you money. people for your money. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is a statement. Isn't I think it? that's the statement. Yeah, you could do a reverse reward. So it'd be like, if you don't send me a hundred dollars, I'm sending the shit to your house, yeah. and it's going to be all over the place. Like when you get a birthday car with a lot of glitter on it oh yeah confetti if you don't send me a hundred dollars i want to mail this to you and then it's gonna be stuck to your hands for the rest i'm gonna of the terrorize yeah. you with my pubic hair yeah yeah all right like a glitter bomb is be like a pube bomb <laughs> these are both wonderful ideas there's no bad ideas in pube bomb brainstorming <laughs> daniel would certainly be on board <laughs> he supports me in my endeavors um he would <sighs> not be on board <laughs> For you, now, first of all, he would not be on board with this idea. Second of all, he would not be on board with the, the this even coming up and me even talking about yeah. this. That's okay, though. He married a podcaster. He did. I talked about my wife's bush earlier. I don't feel good about that, but it feels like I have to honor podcasting before I honor even... I, I really do. I feel like I have to put everything out. I talked about having anal sex on a football field. I, You know, it's just like when you go on a podcast, you take a sacred oath. 
to let it all hang out. I agree with you. I agree with you so much. And I like how you've given us like a very righteous platform upon which to share things that we shouldn't be sharing. Well, look, it's it's the same. I think it's the same thing with stand-up comedy. People, it's refreshing. Stand-up and podcasts are the last two bastions of free speech in this country. And they will remain that for hopefully ever. And I think the only way it's going to stay like that is like there's one podcast company that tries to get its uh its people to to not be dirty anymore and that's the beginning of the end no idea who you mean you know so i think you know i think it's important that you push the limits all the time and uh you know keep it keep it real what if we call our podcast free speech it's so self-important it's too self-important is it too self-important yeah free speech with greg and Allie. (laughs) okay we'll, we'll we'll keep thinking about it greg fitzsimmons as always, it was such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Love being here. Thank you for having me on. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. <laughs>